You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Pride podcast we call From the Podium, where you get to hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. It's divisional round week with the Chiefs taking on the Cleveland Browns Sunday at 2.05 p.m. Arrowhead time. A little bit of a change in schedule when it comes to From the Podium. I'm going to give you the best of Wednesday and Thursday on this podcast. That includes Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Eric Bieniemy, and Steve Spagnolo. Another podcast coming at you on Saturday. But right now, let's get started with the Chiefs head coach. Here is Andy Reid. You guys who didn't practice today were Rashard Fenton, Willie Gay, and Sammy Watkins. Uh, they're all making progress. Um, everybody else was out there moving around. Clyde got some work in today, which was good. And uh, he's feeling better every day, <clears throat> every day that um, we go along here. So, um, listen, we look forward to the challenge of playing the Browns. I mean, they're, they're a heck of a football team. I mean, you get to this time of the year and um, you're, you're playing against the best. So, uh, uh, we've had a chance to look at them on tape and respect the heck out of them, the job that they've done, uh, coaching and playing. So, uh, again, it was good to get started uh, with our practice today and we'll keep working, uh, make sure we, uh, get everything down for, for the game plan, uh, and for Sunday. All right. That time, yours. We'll go first to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Andy. Um, I wonder just generally speaking, not, not this game, but kind of every game, um, generally, how much of, of your game planning are, are you pretty aware of what the other team's going to do in the sense that obviously teams have strengths and weaknesses, but I assume that they, they try and disguise their weaknesses a little bit. So how, how much can you actually prepare for exactly what you're going to see on any given Sunday? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I mean, teams, it, it's hard to just replace the whole defense and and or and or offense and just start from scratch so um and they wouldn't be here if they weren't good at what they did so normally they they come out and uh, it's similar to what they've done and then uh they'll have a wrinkle here or there for for your game um that doesn't mean that it won't favor one <clears throat> if a team has five coverages that they don't favor one over the other uh but or one front over the other or you know whatever it might be um, to play against what they consider uh, your weaknesses or, or matchups. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how it rolls. But for the most part, things are, after you get through about the first four games of the season, everything's uh, somewhat, there's, there's a base to most of the things, yeah. Go next to Dave Scretta. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Andy, how are you doing? All right, um, I asked Kevin Stefanski a similar question earlier, but Andy, or uh, John Dorsey has kind of his paw prints on both of these teams. Uh, I wonder if when you look at the Browns, if you see that in, in personnel and style and scheme, the, the things that he maybe brought to that organization when they were turning it around. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he, he did a nice job here and there. And so uh, of uh, 
bringing people in and they can play football. And, and, uh, and so you, you see that. And, um, you know, yes, I, I would say I'd answer you. Yes. I, I could see that. Let's go next to Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, coach, uh, the, the two things are real quick. Number one, uh, I know there was a, a statement or a, uh, a message, I guess, from the PR department about, uh, you know, helicopters going by. Do you have a story like back in your career where you remember like kind of the, the spy where people were looking in on your practice? That's number one. If there just is any history around, you know, teams trying to get that that edge that way. And then number two, uh, is it possible to win in the playoffs if your quarterback doesn't play well? Yeah. Um, so just with the the helicopters, I mean, it just it's the it's the noise and the um, you know they're, they're obviously filming your practice. So I mean, it's a you don't necessarily want that out there. Um, but um, I understand everybody wants to see it and, and that. But we'll, we'll, it's just you know that's part of the relationship so that we have with the media that you, you take care of business there. Uh, what was your other part, Doug? You hit me with that with the helicopter. I haven't had a lot of those so. <clears throat> Uh, sorry about that. The, the other part is when you get to this point, uh, right? Everybody's good. Can, can can anybody, not just your team, but can can any team win playoff games if their quarterback doesn't play well? Well, yeah, I yeah, I'd say yes. I mean, but I'd say that shoot about anybody. If you, and, and then likewise, if you're not coaching well, you that, that likewise. So, um, you know, normally you get to this point, and normally everybody does a pretty decent job. So. And it's just great competition. That's the part I love about this. Uh, you get the kind of the cream of the crop, and and uh, it, this league is so competitive, anyways. And then you add into it uh, the, these teams that have just really excelled, and um, you love that challenge, man. I mean, it's just it's an awesome deal. It's hard to explain, but it's an it's awesome. Yeah. Go next to Pete Sweeney. Go, ahead, Pete. Hey, Coach, we got to speak with Dylan a couple weeks back, and he had mentioned Clyde was just really attacking his injury, really going at the rehab, trying to do everything in his power to get here for this week. What have you seen from him in that regard? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, that's what he does. I had a chance to see him in a couple of the rehab procedures uh, as of late, and he, um, you know, he just he gets after it. And, you know, a lot of it is the way you approach it and the trust you have and the trainers and so on. I mean, we've all had injuries. I mean, you guys have had injuries too. So you know that <clears throat> you think you're going to break something by pushing it, but normally those, the you, you, the trainers have a pretty good feel on what you can do and can't do. So, and, and you, and you kind of surprise yourself. And, but I, I'll tell you this kid, he just kind of went right at it. I mean, he, he was fearless with it and, as a result, I'd tell you he's probably, uh, you know, a little bit ahead and we just got to evaluate him and we're not going to do anything to jeopardize him or his career. I mean, that's not what we're doing. We're just, uh, uh, we've taken it um, uh, day by day with him and we'll keep doing that and just see how, see how he does here. Go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Andy. Um, yeah. I understand the Browns have another good back in Nick Chubb and a lot of other good players as well. But I was wondering with regard to Kareem Hunt, whether maybe his he gives them a capability they otherwise wouldn't have uh, when he's in their lineup. Oh, he's a heck of a player. Absolutely. Uh, both those two. I mean, that's a dynamic duo right there. Those guys, man, they are good football players. And um, listen, we love Kareem. I mean, he was here and he's a heck of a kid. And, you know, 
just, you know, I'm, I'm so happy for him that he he's doing well. And um, really, when it's all said and done, that's the most important thing. Uh, you put the game aside and you want to make sure these guys end up uh, heading the right direction for so they can sustain that the rest of their life, you know, and I'm happy for them. Go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Andy, I know we talked, um, you know, before the regular season finale that this week was going to be somewhere where you have to sort of simulate the intensity that you're going to see in the playoffs and guys obviously having close to three weeks off. Just how important are the next two days and, and what do you want to see in terms of how much you can increase sort of the tempo or the intensity of practice that will prepare you for Sunday? Yeah, well, our guys, you know, and you know how we do it. So I'm not, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but um, our guys, our guys practice fast and uh, they do that day in and day out. And that's, uh, that's an important quality uh, to have, especially at this time of the year and the way we've, we've been scheduled here. So um, uh, I don't think any of that will change uh, once we get into tomorrow and, and Friday, uh, these guys practice hard and fast. So, uh, but it, it is important. I mean, for your question, the, to answer your question, it's important that that's what takes place. And, um, and, and, and that's all part of getting ready to play against a, a great football team. So uh, that's what we're doing. Go next to Sam Mellinger. Go ahead, Sam. <clears throat> all right, Guys, can you hear me now? Sorry. There we go. Gotcha. Sorry. My fault. Um, I wanted to ask you about Tyron. I, I know he was a hell of a player before he got here. Um, but, you know, two years and two first-team All-Pros, I know people that have watched him throughout his career say this is the best he's played. Uh, for, from your point of view, I'm just wondering if it's – is there something schematically or culture or maybe just a long-term commitment? What, what do you think it is about what you have here that has sort of brought out his, his best? Yeah, well, he's a, he's a natural-born leader, so he comes into a situation where um, that was needed, I, I thought, and – um, at that particular time. And then you add that in with the scheme that Spags has. You look at the guys that have played in that position and Spags moves them all around. So, I mean, he's, he's a, uh, you, you can play him at corner, you can play him inside, you can play him deep. <clears throat> so he's got all kinds, you've got all kinds of flexibility with him. And um, you look at the Dawkins and those, those players that have traditionally been in those positions, in that position, and uh, they've had, they've had success with it. And, uh, um, it frees them up to let their personality show and, and their abilities to show. Got time for two more. We'll go Vahe and then Herbie to close the Go ahead, Vahe. Hey, Andy. Uh, Brad, I'll just ask one set of, set of this first, and then if I could follow up after Andy answers. Um, Andy, it's a long time ago, 2005, but, but I'm curious, did, did you even meet Kevin Stefanski uh, when he was a training camp intern uh, that year? I knew who he was. I, you know, he's he was a heck of a football player right there at Penn. So I, I followed Penn. I had some uh, a couple assistants that had been been there and coached there. So I I knew about. It. I was close with the the head coach there, and and um, it's a neat program. So I mean, it was right there by our by our facility, um, and uh, the, the tradition's phenomenal. So, anyways, all that said, yeah, no, I knew who he was, and. And uh, yes, I did see him. Yeah, it, it just yeah. along those lines, I, you know, there's a lot of things that that uh, you coach for, but I but I think you've indicated it's pretty meaningful to you to see see your guys go on to other jobs or guys that are kind of under your tree. I, I, can you express why that what, what it does mean to you? Why that matters? 
Yeah, I, I just think it, um, you know, they, these guys work their tail off. So, um, and and they they work all the areas of what it needs, what you need to be a good football coach. And <clears throat> it's not all X's and O's. I mean, that's a big part of it, but it's not all X's and O's. It's how you deal with people and and um, take care of your, your players and at the same time try to give them whatever they need to be the best they possibly can be. And so you, you see guys go through this and you see their players mature, you see them mature and, and you know, then you go, well, heck, they sure deserve a job, you know, they, uh, to have an opportunity to run their own building and then teach others, you know, how to, how to do the same thing. So I, I think it's kind of a, a neat process as it works out over the years. I'm part of that process because of Mike Holmgren. So I've, I've lived this and, uh, you know, it's kind of a neat deal to be a part of. We'll go last to Herbie Tiobi. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach. Good afternoon. <coughs> All right, Herbie. <Herbie-Hat. laughs> I've asked you a couple times uh, in the past month about Mitchell Schwartz, and here we are in the postseason, and I'm curious now uh, how much of a scenario exists in your mind that you could potentially get him back if you advance in the postseason, or is this just a matter of making sure his back is okay for the yeah. 2021 regular season? Yeah, backs are fickle, man. And so um, – He's not going to be back this week. And then we'll, we're literally taking that day by day. I mean, it's uh, these things are, are crazy. There's nobody, nobody that wants to play more than this guy. So, I mean, I, I, I know, you know how he's wired. I mean, you don't play all the games he played in a row and not enjoy enjoy the game. So, um, but he just he physically can't do that right now. And we'll just, we'll just see, uh, see how it goes down the road. I don't think anybody's lost, lost hope in that. We're just... Uh, you know, sometimes time is an important thing here. Coach, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining okay, us. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, Patrick. Um, I just want to revisit something with you regarding playing Big 12 quarterbacks and how exciting it is to be doing this now in the playoffs against a guy like Baker Mayfield and how, how much that rivalry still lives on. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, it, it's cool to get to play against uh, him and and such a big game in the playoffs and everything like that. Um, knowing him for a long time uh, since I was a senior in high school, um, and uh, to be able to play on this stage is it's going to be special. And uh, and I mean, he went to Oklahoma, to Texas Tech, so uh, he got the better of me in, in college. So I'll try to do my best uh, to win in, in the NFL. Let's go next to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Patrick. Um, Travis just mentioned that uh, as soon as you knew it was the Browns, that you basically had a notebook ready to go as far as preparation. Can you kind of describe um, when you initially started preparing for who you were going to play and what the very first preparations were? Yeah, I mean, right when the the uh, the bye week started, and we knew who the seeds were for the uh, uh, the the seven, six, five, four, all those seeds that we could possibly play. I, I took a day where I watched each team. Uh, about four or five games of each team. And so uh, just kind of get a general feel of, of what the defense is presenting, what, what offenses are doing to try to attack them uh, from different teams, different offenses. And so I had a day's worth of film on the Browns. So whenever we, we found that out, I was able to look back at that, look at my notes and try to see how it presents uh, to us. Let's go next to Vahe Gregorian. Go ahead, Vahe. Hey, Patrick, this is a slightly different topic, but we, we see you when you're mic'd up doing stuff like telling guys nice hit and, and you know, kind of making a point of uh, exhibiting sportsmanship. And I, I'm curious why that matters to you and, and maybe how you define sportsmanship. 
Yeah, for me, I just love the game. So uh, I respect everybody else just as much as they respect me. And uh, being able to go out there and play the sport that we love, I understand everybody's grind. Everybody's putting everything they have every single time they're on the field. And, I mean, uh, trust me, I want to win, but I respect everybody's grind of getting out there. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do what I can to, to show that I appreciate them uh, as much as I appreciate the guys on my team. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Patrick. Um do you feel like you prepare any differently for a playoff game than you would a regular season game? And Brad, I'll have a, a, a quick follow-up as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you just take your intensity up a level. I mean, it's still the same preparation. Just maybe try to dive dive deeper into the the film study, dive deeper into the the breakdowns and, and the different ways you can uh, go out there and have success against a defense. Um, but, I mean, just take it to another level it would be the biggest thing. Okay, and it's been two weeks now since you've – played a game. Did you do anything special over this time to stay sharp or just the things you normally would do? Yeah, I mean, I just I stayed on top of everything. I practiced uh, as much as I could practice, getting reps in, uh, making sure I get, get back to the fundamentals of, of the footwork and stuff like that, and then continue to work out and, and prepare myself. Uh, uh, we didn't start the way we wanted to last year when we came off the bye, and so I want to make sure that we do a better job of, of starting a little bit faster and uh, try not to put ourselves in that deficit. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Patrick, last year, the early deficits in the playoffs were certainly kind of an identity for you. You put them on the Super Bowl rings. But this week, how much of that's a conversation, you know, between you, the players, and the coaches? And, and how big of a focus is it this year to get off the faster starts? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it a lot easier. I think I, you could say that. Um, we're not, it's not something that we necessarily talk about. Uh, I think it's just kind of understood is that we need to come out playing our, our best football, playing the team that we're playing. Uh, they are play, coming in with a lot of confidence, playing really good football. And so uh, we want to do whatever we can to get off on the right foot and try to build uh, a lead early because, uh, I mean, they're a good football team that's able to, to win football games. And so we're going to make sure that we come with our best effort from the first snap. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Patrick, it seems like some of the teams that have had success against you defensively have this ability to get pressure to you without blitzing. The Browns somewhat fall into that category. Knowing that going in, how does that maybe change your preparation or mentality as a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, just, I think I have to focus on the fundamentals for myself. I think it's the biggest thing. Trusting the O-line, trusting the, the the game plan and get the ball to my hands. Uh, the good thing about this team is we have a lot of great playmakers that can make plays happen in space. And so as if I'm getting the ball out of my hands and getting it to them, if that's holding it, stretching plays out and throwing deep passes, or if that's getting it out quick, uh, whatever way uh, in order to have success in the field, I'll, I'll try to do that. Let's go next to Harold Koontz. Go ahead, Harold. Hey, Patrick, hope you're doing well. I uh, just wanted to ask you about the Browns' defense. You're kind of, you know, in your notebook, what you saw out of them, and especially Miles Garrett. You know, you guys, especially with the communication with the offensive line, how have you corrected that to face a guy like Miles Garrett just coming in, I think, the third most sacks of anybody in the postseason that's left? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, same way. I've known Miles for a long time uh, uh, being in high school, and uh, trust me, he was the exact same size in high school as he is now, so uh, I'm glad I didn't play him then. Um, but uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a tremendous player, plays extremely hard, and has a ton of talent, um, and that, they have talent across that whole entire defense. And so for us, it's about executing uh, at a high level, um, getting the ball out of my hands, kind of like I said, letting guys make plays, and uh, we're going to have to play our best football if we want to win a, a football game at the end of the day. We've got time for a couple more. We'll go Sarin and then Nate. Go ahead, Sarin. 
Uh, Patrick, I'm curious, you know, having been through everything you guys did, won all the three comebacks last year in, in the playoffs, uh, accomplishing the championship and everything, how, how different is, is your confidence level right now? Like, I, I know you were confident last year, but now not, not thinking you can do it, but knowing you can do it, how different is it this year? Yeah, I mean, you just, you understand what it takes. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, it's not easy. You know, you have to put in a lot of work, but you understand that you can do it. Um, and so uh, just just trying to keep it in perspective, uh, going out there, having fun, enjoying it, um, playing to the best of our ability uh, and then letting things handle itself. And so uh, we have a lot of veteran guys on this team now that have been through it. And so we're going to go out there with the mentality of not trying to get in those deficits again, but just try to find a way to win a football game and play the right way. We'll go last to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Patrick, I have two questions for you. The first goes back to your film study. Um, the Browns played four common opponents from you guys, Baltimore, Las Vegas, uh, Houston, and New York. Just how much were they a part of the film study in, in terms of figuring out uh, what might work for you guys? And then Brad will have a follow-up. Yeah, I mean, they definitely were. I mean, you, you see uh, those different, different offenses, and, and they do a lot of the similar things that we do. And then I try to look at the offenses like the Texans and stuff like that, that, that do a lot of the similar type of stuff that we do as well as Philly and all these other teams. And so uh, um, you try to take away from the formations that they're in uh, that, are, that are similar to ours. And even though we do different things out of those formations, you can kind of see where their defense is at and how they're combating that. And then, you know, they're going to make adjustments and, you, and we're going to be able to make adjustments during the game. And then lastly, um, this often gets forgotten, but you, you know, your legs were part of a dynamic with the offense last year, obviously it coming healthy uh, as the season went along last year. Just how much do you feel like your legs may be an element that obviously the Browns have to sort of respect and game plan for as well? Yeah, I mean, I think if, you just have to take what's there and what presents itself. I think the best thing about the playoffs, you can't leave anything uh, leave anything on the field. You got to leave it all out there. And so if uh, it gets presented to me and I'm able to use my legs, I'll, I'll try to do that and try to stay away from getting those big hits and everything like that. But uh, you definitely take it to a new level when it gets to the playoffs. And so we're excited to be here and we're excited to find a way to win a football game. Patrick, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid and quarterback Patrick Mahomes, and now we continue on with tight end Travis Kelsey. Hey, Travis, hope you're doing well today. Uh, two quick questions for you. One, you're a, you're a Cleveland guy, so when you see the, you know, that you're finally facing the Browns in the playoffs, just your overall thoughts on finally facing your uh, hometown team, if you will. And also, what is it about uh, you know Patrick Mahomes in this offense, only the least amount of points you've scored in the postseason, 31 points since Patrick Mahomes has been in control. What is it about you guys that just kind of just flipped the switch in the postseason? Um, I think uh, to answer your first question, yeah, man, being from Cleveland and, and playing the Browns, it's uh, it's definitely um, kind of up the ante a little bit. You know, it made it a little bit more personal. I uh, I absolutely love Cleveland, um, but I understand that uh, we are each other's enemies right now. So I got a lot of friends and a lot of family back in Cleveland telling me I'm the enemy, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely going to be fun going up against the Browns, and uh, it's going to be an exciting game. And um, to speak on the other point of uh, the points scored, I think. Um, I think that everybody kind of locks in a little bit more and uh, 
and uh, and gets excited to play uh, when the playoffs come around, especially in this building, especially one five himself. He's he does everything he can uh, to be ready for these moments. And uh, it shows every single time he, he goes out there in the playoffs. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Travis, the last time you guys played the Browns was 18, and, and you and Kareem, two Cleveland guys, you probably remember the game well, went off and had all these touchdowns. Just thinking back to Kareem and everything that happened and just where he is now, how thrilled are you for him? How often do you guys speak and man. so on and so forth? Uh, I wish we spoke more often, man. That's my, my brother for life. Um, to see what he's he's gone through and uh, to see him grow from everything. Um, I'm somebody where I didn't, uh, I had a few red flags coming out of college. Um, it wasn't always, you know, a whole lot of fun for me. I had to, I had to kind of break through um, some, uh, some things that were, that were tied to my name. And, and, and with that, you know, it's just, uh, you have to challenge yourself as a man, as a human, uh, you have to grow from it. You have to understand how people are viewing you and you have to, uh, and you have to move on knowing that. And uh, I think Kareem's done an unbelievable job of, you know, just going out there playing football and, uh, and, and keeping his head on straight. So I'm happy as hell for him. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Travis. We uh, we were learning that obviously you came back in the Man of the Year Award uh, Challenge online. I know. Th I want to take you back to um, the last time you played against the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, the team showed the video of your nomination. Just what did it feel like to to watch the nomination and obviously be recognized? And then, uh, secondly, there were two kids in the video, Amari and Amir. I know you've gotten to know them over the last five years at Operation Breakthrough. What's it just been like to get to know them and and have a have a real relationship with those guys. Yeah, Mari and Mir, man, those guys, uh, they'll they'll light up the room every single time they walk in it, man. It's just uh, two kids that that are absolutely, you know, very aware of their situation, but at the same time, man, they just they love life, man. They love life. They they appreciate, you know, what Operation Breakthrough is and everybody that uh, that's in that building that helps them, um, you know. And it's just a uh, it's a beautiful thing, man. And uh, to be honest, during the Falcons game, when I was getting recognized, uh, we were losing at that point. So it was it wasn't a f fulfilling moment. You know what I mean? We were trying to s secure the first round by and uh, or at least the first seed in the AFC. And um, my my mind was more focused on that than it was actually. Uh, but Fish actually gave me a little tap and he said, hey, man, congratulations. So that was uh, that was about as um, excited and understanding that I got on the field uh, when I was being recognized. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Travis. Um, regarding Kareem, um, what, what do you feel like the last couple of years have been like for him since he's left here? And was it difficult for him to not be a part of things as you guys kept winning games uh, the last couple of years? Um, and, and Brad, I'll have one quick follow-up. I can only imagine how it, how it was for him. I can't speak on it. You know what I mean? Obviously, it was probably an uphill battle that he had to w deal with mentally as well as, you know, uh, face the reality of things. Um, and, uh, and and what that is that everybody was kind of looking at him in a negative light. Uh, and and he's he's a guy where he walks in the building as a as a as a teammate, as, as a guy, as a friend that I've I've learned to know, man, he, he he's never had that negative light on him because of his personality and, you know, who he's been in the building. So to have to deal with that, um, you know, hats off to him. For, for battling through that and, and, and finding his way back onto a football field uh, here in the NFL. And uh, I'm just happy for him, man. Okay. And you also uh, mentioned earlier that everybody uh, 
out there really locks in at playoff time. And you said particularly Pat. How have you seen that with Pat? What tells you that he's particularly locked in this week? Um, just it's the small conversations of making sure that everybody is aware, making sure that everybody's on the same page. Um, you can you can tell that you know he's he's been doing his homework for the past week and a half. Uh, just talking to him, him understanding what what every single team that we could possibly face is doing defensively, and then uh, sure enough, as soon as we found out on Sunday who we were playing, you know he was he was right there. I had a whole notebook ready for the the Cleveland Browns, and I think right now we're just uh, we're in the process of, of of figuring out the game plan, and um, I think. Like I said, what Pat does the best is communicate exactly what he's seeing and, you know, how he feels we need to attack the defense. And uh, and all those conversations, uh, you know, are, are extremely relevant during the game. So, got time for a few more. We'll go right down the line, starting with Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Travis. Um, you touched on this earlier, but I wonder if you could expand upon it a little bit. Just your family and friends back home. Just the dynamic of, I mean, are they still Browns fans? Obviously, they're Travis Kelsey oh, yeah. fans, but what is the dynamic of, of who they root for? I mean, it's uh, I got I got no um no hard feelings, man. I understand I understand what it means to be a Cleveland sports fan, uh, and uh, to be a diehard at that. And um, you know, I th- I think a lot of the close friends and family are going to be wearing their Chiefs gear, but uh, maybe throw a, a orange shirt with a nice brown helmet on underneath or something like that, man. It's uh, it's definitely going to be mixed feelings for a lot of people that I know. But um, at the same time, I'm, I'm going in with uh, with a mindset that Kansas City Chiefs got to win this game. Go next to Matt McMullen. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Travis. Uh, you mentioned a few times this year how the crowd still a limited capacity, but that you've felt that energy all season long. Uh, just how excited are you to feel that on Sunday uh, back in the playoffs? And also, are you repping Tyreek's brand there on your shirt? Oh, yeah. I'm a soul runner. I might not be as fast as Tyreek, but I'm still a soul runner. You can't take that away from me. Uh, shout out to Tyreek and what he's doing with the soul runner and everything he's doing in the community, man. That guy's unbelievable. Um, but to to go back to uh, I'm sorry, what was the first uh, question you had? My apologies. Just uh, feeling the, the playoff environment. I know it's a limited capacity crowd, but you've mentioned how the crowd all year, just 17,000 or whatever, is still brought it every single game. Oh, how yeah. excited are you to feel that? I'm excited to see uh, see how we take it up a notch. You know, the the playoffs, the, the us on the field can't be the only ones that, that take it up a notch. So the kingdom, we're uh, we're hoping that you're loud and proud and uh, and ready to wreak havoc just like we are. We'll go last to Mackenzie Nelson. Go ahead, Mackenzie. Hey Travis, I was just wondering as you guys enter the playoffs, is there anything that sticks out to you or anything that's different uh, about this year's team versus last year's? Um, I would say the biggest difference is just the uh, the confidence that we have in, in knowing who we are and knowing how to uh, how to be the best us, if that makes sense. Um, I think what Coach Reed has done, I've said this a million times, I think what he's what he does is uh, he presents a challenge for us week in and week out. And uh, as a player, as a as a as a leader to, to follow you know, a guy that knows what he's doing like that, to be able to hear what he has for us and to keep attacking that challenge and um, week in and week out find ourselves, you know, having success through um, meeting and meeting those expectations and, 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 and winning those challenges. I think it's, uh, it's just, a, you know, a flawless process that Coach Reed has been able to, to put forth. And uh, with that, you know, we've all been able to grow within that and, uh, and have fun doing it. Trav, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Check out uh, Cheetah, man. Soul Runner, baby. 
whenever you're preparing for any opponent, how much of your preparation is gauging a cornerback's um, perceived weaknesses versus just trying to fine tune what you do best? Um, you know what? I don't, I don't know, man. I, I just watch, um, I just usually just watch tendencies, you know, um, I feel like every opponent, you know, like you said, is good at some things, you know, but I, 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 I just pretty much just watch ten, tendencies, you know, I, I feel like no player really has weaknesses in the NFL, you know, cause this is the highest, you know, level that, um, you can play at. So, yeah. Let's go next to Herbie TLB. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Tyreek, a belated Happy New Year since we didn't get a chance to chat with you before the, the year changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we know the, the, the plays you've made, 1,200 yards, almost 1,300 yards receiving, 15 uh -huh. receiving touchdowns. But as you look back at the 2020 season, what plays stand out to you that you didn't make and that you wish you could have had back? Uh, definitely the uh, Denver Bronco play, man. That, the catch that wasn't ruled a catch. So, yeah, that that play like always sticks out, you know, to me the most, you know, because um, I'm always preaching, you know, judge um, judge the ball correctly um, when it's in the air. So I feel like I could have done a, a better job judging the ball. You know, I just try to make a crazy catch, a crazy acrobatic catch, you know, trying to get on sports in the top 10, you know. So just make the catch, man, and just, you know, come down with the play and I would have had the record of 16 touchdowns. That, that like, hunts me, like, every night. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have caught it. So, yeah, that – just that one play right there. Go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Tyreek. I know that you had been dealing with some kind of hamstring issue toward the end of right. the season. How much did you benefit from these past couple of weeks off? And I was wondering if you could just describe how fresh you're feeling right now. Well, I feel great, man. Um uh, I just feel like um, our medical team here does a tremendous job of just, you know, um, allowing us um, to like go out and um, work with, you know, um, our like off-field trainers and stuff like that. So I had a chance to go, you know, work out with Luther, um, um, go to this uh, other place I worked out, you know, in the offseason and um, get some more work you know, outside of, you know, the uh, Chiefs facility. So they allowed me to do that, you know. So right now I'm feeling great. Like I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good, man. You know, so I'm ready. I'm excited. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Tyreek. It's been hey. uh, two weeks since you played in a game now. Did you do right. anything special to stay sharp for this game uh, coming up or, or anything special at all on you out of the ordinary? Uh, nah, man, I just been training hard. Uh, just like I just told Pete, I just been training hard. Um, I've been on the jugs a lot. I've been on the tennis balls late at night. Uh, I've even been running a few routes, you know, um, um, on my own outside of, you know, um, what we do here with the Chiefs. So, I mean, you always got to keep the, uh, you always got to keep the knives short, man. Always, you know, so I'm ready. Good time for a couple more. We'll go Karen and then Matt. Go ahead, Karen. Hey, how you doing? Great. Hey, what is your take on the Cleveland Browns? You watched the game they played to continue in the playoffs. What's your overall impression of them? Well, well, um, they definitely um, a building team, you know, so I, um, very good team, very young team. Um, offense is tremendous. Defense is good, you know, so I feel like um, we cannot take this opponent lightly. Like, we got to play this game just like any other game, come out, play hard, and just be the Chiefs, you know. So they got a bunch of playmakers on both sides of the ball, you know. So 
we just got to play ball, you know. And, you know, I know my brother's in the locker room. Like, all of them ready for the challenge, you know. So, it's going to be a good game. So, no, you're not going to get the great fit. So, no, you're not going to get the great face mask coming from me. No, you're not. Let's go. We'll go next to Matt Derrick. Good, Matt. Hey, Ty, good to see you. Good to see you, bud. Hey, you know, last year, the big topic for the playoffs was the slow starts and getting out right. to the deficits. Um, is that anything that you guys talk about this year as motivation? And is there anything that, you know, you're focusing on from your spot to feel like that you can get the offense going faster? Uh, yeah, um, our wide eye coach brought it up today. Uh, well, not today, probably yesterday, I believe. Um, he was like, um, let's not put ourselves in that same position as we did last year, you know, because every team isn't going to be the same, you know. So we just got to come out and um, just have the uh, energy, you know, we've had all year, you know. So get the ball to the playmakers um, and just let Pat be special, man, with the ball in his hand, man. You know, so that's all we got to do. Tyreek, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. You just heard from Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and now we continue on with the coordinators. First up, here is offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. No, it's been a few weeks, but uh, hopefully everyone has remained safe. Hopefully everyone's families have, are, are safe as well. Feels good to be back on uh, out on the practice field. Our guys last week uh, had an opportunity to get back to some fundamentals, some things that we felt that we needed to work on to help us moving forward. On top of that, we got guys getting re-energized and getting a little bit more excited about the, uh, the opportunity that we're going to face this week. So with all that said, I'm all ears. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, EB, I have two questions for you. Um, just in your time coaching Kareem, just what did you learn about him as a person? And then can you kind of describe just – your feelings um, when it became clear that he wasn't going to be a part of the team moving forward? Well, first of all, Kareem is a beautiful kid. He is a beautiful spirit about himself. All right. And I know that you guys really don't get to see that, that, that side of him. I mean, he's a fun loving family guy and he's one of those kids that you just can't help, but want great things to happen to and happen for. But uh, as far as a player, oof, a beast runs hard, plays hard, knows how to maximize every opportunity, okay? You can see that when he's out on the field. He runs with an attitude and he runs with a determined mindset that he's going to find a way to make it across that line. And then, you know, obviously, you know, losing him, that was a, a different deal. And obviously he's been missed, but more than anything, I'm proud of the growth process that he's going through. I'm proud to see where he is. I'm proud to see him still pursuing his goals and all the accomplishments that he has made. And I mean, hell, he's, he's, he's like one of our own. And I know we'll be facing him this week and uh, that'd be a little different, but when it's all said and done with, I know he'll come out and do exactly what he wants to do. He's going to play hard and he's going to play fast and he's going to be the best running back that he can possibly be for them. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Coach E.B., uh, Sammy Watkins was so important for you guys in the stretch last year as you faced some of these better teams in the playoffs. A little unclear. I want to ask you to comment on the injury, but if he can't go, how, how do you feel and how confident are you in you guys to be able to replace everything that he's able to do? Well, you guys have heard me say this before. 
We want all hands on deck. But if Sammy can't go, the next man got to be ready. And that's how we prep. That's why we got a great coaching staff. We believe in our coaches. Our coaches are great teachers. They're great. They're great communicators. On top of that, they've developed an outstanding relationship with our players to get the best out of them. So if Sammy's out there, we know exactly what we're going to get. If he's not out there, then you know what? It's okay. The next man will step up. Let's go next to Herbie Teope. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach, good afternoon. This is the obligatory question because you were kind of a busy man last week. Uh, how did the job interviews go, and what was your biggest takeaway from virtually meeting with, I believe it was five or six teams? Well, Herbie, let me just say this, okay? First of all, it was an honor and a privilege, but that's not what we're here for, all right? We're here to talk about the Cleveland Browns, I, and you've heard us talk about this before. We eliminate all distractions, okay? At the end of the day, my focus and attention is on the Cleveland Browns. This is a great team, and they're playing some great ball. They got some young guys up front that are playing tremendous. Uh, they got some guys in the, in the second level with those backers, and they got a heck of a uh, secondary group. One of those guys we're very familiar with. So we're looking forward to this challenge. I know our guys are fired up and excited. Uh, they're refreshed. They've hit the reset button. Now it's time to get out there and produce and show exactly what we're about. Got time for a couple more. We'll go Todd and then Nick. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, Coach, I wanted to follow up a little bit on, on Kareem. Professional football is different than college football. I mean, you've you're, you got to do the job or you're not going to be there, and if you get in trouble, you're gone. As you were his running backs coach his first year, I imagine you were pretty close with him. How disappointed were you for him that he got himself in a situation where he couldn't be on the team anymore? And is he someone you, you follow up with and, and stay in contact with and, and check and see how he's doing? Well, first of all, if you've ever known anything about me, I'm, I keep – a personal relationship with all my guys, because not only uh, do I take pride in, in coaching them, but also, too, it's all about getting to know the person and knowing the, the ins and outs of who they are and what defines them and what makes them the special person that they are. And so obviously it's 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 one of those things. Yes, I do follow exactly what he does. I'm paying close attention because I'm obviously going to be a fan. I'm going to always be his fan. But when it's all said and done with, you know, for whatever reason, things happen in life. All right. And sometimes when those things happen, they end up being uh, more of a, a learning lesson and a life lesson moving forward. Because sometimes you guys have heard me say this before. Sometimes without no bad luck, we wouldn't have any good luck at all. So it's unfortunate what happened. Okay. And I think Kareem will tell you this, the same exact thing. All right. Nobody wants to have a separation that way. But when it's all said and done with, it has benefited him in the long run because he's grown. He's matured. He's a better person. He understands where he fits in this world. And I am so proud of the man that he's becoming. And obviously what he does on the field speaks for, the, speaks for itself. I will always be proud of that. Last one to Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Nick. Eric, for you, I'm curious about defensive coordinator Joe Woods. You've had a couple chances to go against him when he's the Broncos DC <laughs> and then in the Super Bowl with the 49ers. Kind of what's his scheme? What's his style like? You know what? Joe is a laid back, cool customer. He's very smart. He's very intelligent. And I mean, he's going to watch everything that we've done. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's pulled out tape from the Bronco days and from the Raider days when he coached there. And I know he's going to pull out some tape from uh, from last year's game in the Super Bowl. So one thing about Joe, you don't have to worry about those guys not being prepared. They're going to be prepared because that's who Joe is. And he's fundamentally sound. He's going to make sure those guys are focused and locked in on the details of what they need to do. And, 
you know, it, it's kind of tough because knowing Joe as well as I do and knowing Kevin Stefanski, all of us have a, a prior relationship, which has grown over the years. You know, I've, I've been their biggest fans and, and just watching those guys. But at some point we have to meet. And so <laughs> this weekend, looking forward to, um, to, to that battle, that matchup. But on top of that, I do understand this. It's our job to make sure that our guys are ready. And it's our job to make sure that we're putting our guys in the right situations, okay, to be successful. And so that's what we're looking forward to. And uh, I'm fired up. Can't wait. Coach E.B., we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I uh, can't really see everybody, but uh, glad to have you all here. It's good to be doing this again. I mean, it feels like forever since we've um, got together and had a week of practice, but just got done with our second one and uh, feel pretty good about it. So with that, I'll open it up. We'll go first to Herbie Tiopi. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach. Good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Herbie. Great. Hey, from Christian McCaffrey, Mike Davis, to Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, you've had your share of facing off against two-headed running backs in this past season. What is it about this Sunday's matchup that makes it unique or even challenging when you look at Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Yeah, a great question. Uh, typically, you can say when you got a, two running backs that you're facing, you can say, okay, when 24 is in there, here are some things that they run. You know, when 27 is in there, it's, it, it, really, they run their their whole offense with both of them. That's where they're really effective. So you can't get a beat on that. We've got to defend the scheme. Um, what makes it challenging, their run scheme to me, what makes it challenging is the fact that Baker Mayfield, you know, their misdirection runs are really him running boots and movement passes. And that's where our eyes got to be right. Um, that's where we got to build the wall, track the hip and set the edge, just like we talk about. But they, they present a problem, no question. Thanks, Coach. Yep. We'll go next to Sam Mellinger. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Steve. Um, I, I know a lot of people have talked about Tyron and, and, you know, him being a good fit with, with what you do. Can you talk specifically about what it is about what you like to do with defense that made Tyron a good fit? And I'm also curious if you've gone even beyond what you've done before to kind of highlight his talents. Uh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it until you just said that, but I'd probably say yes, that we have gone a little bit more beyond because there are some things that we do with him now that I don't recall us doing uh, in at prior places. So, and really that's because first and foremost is him from the chin to the hairline. You're talking about an intelligent football player that loves it. And you know that if you feed something to Tyron, he's going to get it and he's going to know why. And in the game of football, I mean, we, we lay out all these plans and, you know, you go from Monday to Saturday and into Sunday, but things change so quick on game day. And the one thing about Tyron is you can go over to him and say, let's, let's, let's tweak this or do that. And he knows exactly why. And he does it. He's, he's great to have the other guys, you know, a guy like that, um, we all focus on what he does, you know, the stats and gets the interceptions, tackles, the whole thing. But to me, one of the greatest things about having a guy like that is how he makes the other 10 better. And I truly believe that he does that with our, with our unit uh, because of the confidence that they have in him and the communication and plays he's going to make, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go next to Therese Paler. Go ahead, Therese. Hey, Coach Spags, how you doing today? Hey, Therese. Hey, quick question for you, man. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on in the world right now, and people across multiple industries are trying really hard to find common ground so they can accomplish big goals. Um, the NFL locker room is actually a great example of that. So my question to you is, what, what have you as a leader, what has Andy and your captains done to maintain a positive and healthy locker room culture 
amid these trying times? And Brad, I have a quick follow-up to that. Yeah, you, uh, awesome question. Um, and if I was to guess, when you talk about our leaders, Patrick and Tyron and a bunch of other ones, it's just the, um, the level of respect that they show to all people. And, they, and they, it's, it's visual acts of respect. It's not just talk uh, with our guys. And our guys are close in the unit. And I, I think sometimes when all these things are going on around, and I, there's one thing I think that gets missed here, like coaches, we're in this building and we're kind of behind these walls. We don't even see the real world. But our guys have to leave here every day mm-hmm. and they have to go out and be real people. And my guess is, is the guys that we're talking about, the leaders have just projected and represented us really well. And I just, I go back to character and respect and I think we got a load of that uh, on our team. I understand. And I mean, you've been in the league a long time, just like Andy. Like In general, like, you've been a part of some really good teams, some winners. So like, does... Does, in your experience, does, does, do politics come up at all in a locker room? And if they do, like, how, does, how do players kind of walk around that or, or deal with it? Or do they talk about it head on? Yeah, it, I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in the locker room, quite honest, and being truthful. Um, now, listen, in our meetings, you go back to when everything was kind of in flux back uh, when we were having our virtual meetings. We made it a point in our virtual meetings to talk about that. Uh, pretty much every day for a pretty good period of time. I just wanted the guys to know that it, w- it was, it meant something to us as coaches. You know, it wasn't just lost. It wasn't just talk. And, and then I think our players just kind of ran with that, <clears throat> which I thought was really, really good. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Steve, um, you talked a minute ago about Tyron Matthew and how he kind of makes the 10 guys around him better. Uh, how many, how unusual or rare is that? You run across a number of guys over the years who you could say that about, do you feel like, or no? Uh, listen, they're, they're few and far between. Um, but you, there's a few guys against Antonio Pierce uh, in New York, uh, Brian Dawkins in Philadelphia, James Laranitis when I was in uh, St. Louis. Uh, our unit had a really good year the second year, but he was that kind of guy. It's the guy, even Anthony Hitchens is the same way with us here. Um, it's the guys that can walk in each uh, individual grouping, whether it's D-line, linebackers, DBs, and, you know, and they just kind of get along and, and, and people respond to them. Those are the kind of guys that you need as many of those, those guys as you can get. I think we have a few of those guys that can do that, can talk to all the groups, and they listen. People respect them. Got time for a couple more guys. We'll go Nathan and Mick. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Steve, I have two questions for you. Uh, The first is a follow-up to Herbie's question about the running backs. Um, They seem to be extremely effective as pass catchers as well. I just wonder what that dynamic does to you and how it may shift your personnel packages because they they tend to play more like, you know, some bigger, you know, bigger wideouts than obviously a traditional running back. Yeah, certainly certainly Kareem. And we, I mean, the guys here, some some guys that have been here when he was here obviously know that He's he's a threat. Uh, you can put him out. He's like a wide out defender. We have to be aware of that. Uh, always got to know what 27 is. It, it'd be easy if, you know, you put a running back in there and you say he catches the ball all the time and you put one in there and you say he runs it all the time. But you're, you're dead on with both these guys. They can do uh, extremely well at both of them. And they don't skip a beat. It's kind of what I was saying earlier, uh, no matter which one they have in there. So I think that's a luxury for them. Uh, it's got to be something that we're aware of. You know, normally, 
we'd be in practice and, and put a 24 and a 27 jersey on and say, okay, you got to know that when 27's in there, they got a chance of doing this. But, you know, quite frankly, this week, we got to defend the running back. Whichever running back is in there could run the football, catch it. Uh, and I think our guys have been in tune to that, and hopefully they'll show up in the game. And you mentioned Anthony earlier. Uh, he was on the COVID list for a while away from you guys. Just yeah. how has he tried to get back in line with what he was doing earlier this season? And obviously we know the idea of just how guys are trying to manage, you know, when they when they obviously encounter um, COVID and have to stay away. So just what is he what has he been like since he's been back with you guys? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. It, it feels completely different. Like, first of all, Ben Neiman and Darius Harris did a great job. Uh, and I don't know if you guys caught it at all, but, you know, Colin Saunders played some linebacker for us in that last game. God bless him, man. He was out there. He looked like LeVon Kirkland. We had LeVon Kirkland in Philadelphia at the end of his career. He looked just like him. Uh, and he had some fun with it. And we needed him. I mean, we had all the guys getting banged up. But getting back to Anthony, uh, you felt his presence in the bye week, uh, the minute we had those practices, and he was back with us. Uh, uh, he just, listen, the guys gravitate to him in front of the huddle, the communication he makes on the line of scrimmage, the whole thing. Uh, guys felt it. We feel it as coaches. We know we can do a little bit more when you have a guy like that. So we're sure glad we got him back. Last one to Mick Schaefer. Go ahead, Mick. Hey, Steve. Last year, one of the playoff themes for, for you guys was obviously the slow starts, but I believe you gave up just seven points in the fourth quarters of those three games. Do you feel like that was something that maybe got lost in the shuffle? And how big <laughs> was that in you guys being able to uh, do what you did? Well, certainly in any playoff game, fourth quarter is huge. I mean, we know, I mean, you guys have all the stats and we know that these playoff games come down to last possessions or one possession football games. We know that. So playing good defense in the fourth quarter is huge. Now, I, I will be honest with you because my mind goes this way. We have not done a great job of that. Um, kind of down the stretch here. Uh, we did earlier in the year. So it's something that we need to rise up and take care of. Uh, we worked on it a little bit in the bye week as much as you can. Uh, but listen, I, I certainly hope that we can play our best football in the fourth quarter. Let's say that. Coach, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining okay, us. Okay, you got it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.